Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Les Bone and EJ Smith, also of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Guys, what's going on? How's it going? Yes, everything's good. Great to hear. Eagles have a game at the Cleveland Browns this Sunday, 1 o'clock. This will be their first, well, their second road trip in a row, but the first time they they actually really kind of have to travel since the Steelers game. Did they fly to that game? I think they took a bus. Don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, you know, this is uh, obviously a big game for them coming off the Giants loss. Probably of these next five games, maybe the most winnable. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. But, uh, you know, play currently of the next five games, they currently have winning marks. The, the Browns are 6-3, and three and they've, they've won behind, you know, a good defense and a strong ground game. Yep. Which is probably what the Eagles probably should this season, but uh, I digress. Um, I guess let's uh, let's look at a little bit at what the Eagles uh, may look like this Sunday in terms of who's available. Zach Ertz returned to the practice field. My guess is that he will not be ready by Sunday. Isaac Sayamalu should be. Is that the expectation? You would certainly think, uh, you know, I thought he might play last week, but, uh, you know, he's 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 healed. They just need to get him ready to to get back out there. And and for a guard, it shouldn't be that hard. So, yeah, I would think. Yeah, he was taking all the practice reps uh, when I at least yesterday when I while we were there, um, he was taking all like the first team reps um, at left guard. So I really want to see whether Nate Herbig is back, because I think that's a huge problem for them. I've seen all of Sua Okada and Matt Pryor I really want to see uh, this season. So, uh, you know. That was an issue on Sunday, uh, clearly. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they weren't they weren't good. Um, I think they settled down. This has kind of been the case with these guys when they get tossed in there. They, they really struggle early, and then they kind of settled down. But I think there was – with having two guys as inexperienced as Matt Pryor and Sua Okada on – each side of, of him, Jason Kelsey had probably his worst game and not just a snapping, mm-hmm. you know, there was a holding penalty. There, there was one sack that he gave up. Um, it's affecting Kelsey now at this point. So to get, yeah. to get uh, say Amalu back would cut that in half. You'd only have to really rely on prior prior would be the right guard. Um, but you prefer to have Herbig. And if you had Herbig, then you really you'd have the unit that, I guess that they would ideally would like to have. I don't know. We talked a little bit about maybe Doug on Sunday could have had Mylata at left tackle, and they just moved. Mm-hmm. Well, Peters, but again, Peters guard. played pretty well. You know, it, the problem is that Peters is 38 years old and isn't going to be here next year, but Peters has played well in the two games since he's been back, so that hasn't really been an issue. It would be nice to be getting Mylata some snaps, but – there's no way he would have put up better numbers than Peters has the last two weeks. I agree with that. I mean, yeah, yeah Peters is Peters is the better left tackle. The argument is whether you just want to kind of start moving towards looking yeah. at what you have for the future. Um, but I could see why the Eagles aren't doing that. I mean, they're in the, you know they're still in the NFC East yeah. lead. They still have something to play for. You would be also well to me. This five game stretch is the key here. If they lose a couple more. You know, even if they are technically still in this idiotic race, I mean, if you're like three seven and one or something, it, it really is time to try to maximize 
what you're going to have going forward. I, you know, I, you can't get too carried away. I, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I do think that it's, if you can make the playoffs, you make the playoffs, but it, it, it just becomes ridiculous. You know, if it's the worst record ever compiled by a team to win a division or something, and you have no hope of beating anybody in the playoffs, it's just silly to chase that to the exclusion of everything Right. And else. I think that the thing is, you know, if you're making decisions like putting Peters over my lot at left tackle, then you actually are sort of postponing the inevitable rebuild that you're going to have to undergo. You know, it's like, if you're going to yep. be a six, nine and one team or a five, 10 and one team that is going for broke to get into the playoffs, that's going to, you know, that will actually, um, you know, like that will actually keep you from being able to, to rebuild on the fly while still making the playoffs. So I think that's yeah. uh, that's like the bigger issue there. I see two approaches. 2012, when it was like clear that Andy, they weren't going to make the playoffs and it was starting to become increasingly clear that Andy wasn't coming back. They started playing uh, younger guys. They started uh, moving some of the veterans yeah. out. But then uh, towards the end of the Chips tenure, before he got fired, there were plenty of questions that we had asked about doing so, and he, and he didn't do that. Um, you know, we're going to play every game to win and play our best. So, uh, you know, I guess it depends upon how you view it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to think as long as Eagles are mathematically still in it, they're going to play their, they're going to play their, their best, their best, give themselves the best opportunity. Because again, winning the playoffs is important. Giving Carson an opportunity to actually play in a playoff game. And honestly, stranger things have happened. You never know what could possibly happen, especially, right. especially when you're home. Um, but just to get back to the offensive line, I mean, they did a good job, at least in terms of run blocking. And um, yeah. there were, a, you know, the, the Giants have a strong defensive front, but <laughs> Uh, the way they were playing the Eagles, they were playing a lot too deep, too man. You know, basically they they were willing to give up a, a, the run. I thought. The question though, then why didn't Doug run the ball more? Um, and I wrote about that particularly late. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, when I went back and looked over every play, you know, it wasn't like egregious. Uh, the numbers obviously don't skew uh, favorably for Doug. It was sixty-seven thirty-three pass run ratio but there were certain moments where i felt like yeah you know what you could have gone to the run there and then if you look at the, the defensive look that they were given you know carson yeah. maybe carson could have checked to a run in that circumstance uh there was they were down by four 21 17 late in the third quarter and sanders had that nice 13 yard run it was a really good uh big hole for him he finished it off with a hurdle and then they threw out of the next down and it just doesn't seem like there's ever a concerted effort to be like, okay, let's let's dominate here up front. You're still in the game. You're only down at one score. Yeah. Why, why do you think Doug is kind of? I mean, everything screams for for him to to run more. You have Sanders back now. Wentz is struggling. The numbers say so. I mean, is this is this yeah. he's just in a fog in that fog that Andy would would get into sometimes? Yeah, I think that's basically it. I, I think he's. Uh, cognizant of the fact that if for the last 20 years, you know, passing has been the way to win the Super Bowl in the NFL. You yeah. don't build your team around running, and they haven't built this team around running. That's not what it's supposed to be about. But again, situations, and we've talked about that before. You're in a situation Sunday where you maybe you don't think about the greater, you know, thrust or anything you just look at how you're going to win this game and 
it seemed pretty obvious that what you needed to do was keep keep doing what was working, you know. And they ran three times in the fourth quarter and gained three yards. <laughs> you know, it, it. I, I don't know. I there's a lot of things about their play calling that I don't really understand. I don't understand not getting Carson out of the pocket. I don't understand, you know, uh, half the stuff that they they do. But uh, yeah, I, I you needed to run, uh, and that was the way to win that game. And and I. The fact that he – you brought this up, Jeff, and it was a very good point. The fact that Doug thought it was 50-50 after the game was just uh, – it's very telling, you know, of his mind. Uh, and that was a day after the game, too. It was like, you know, usually the, yeah. he's prepared. He knows he's going to get this question, and he still didn't realize that it was lopsided. Uh, EJ, what, what's your take on all this? Yeah, I wonder how much the analytics play into this. You know, how much, like, you know, all, obviously the two-point conversions are, like, an interesting thing that's happening this year that has to do with the analytics side of things. But I wonder how much just the efficiency that is usually tied to passing plays into this. And, you know, maybe like a stubbornness to that line of thinking that, you know, passing is more efficient. But as you wrote in your story, Jeff, the Eagles, you know, yards per play on run attempts is actually right in line or better than um, their yards per passing attempt right now. So I do wonder if that's a part of it, you know, if it's kind of like a stubbornness to, you know, the conventional thinking, even if you're not really looking at your team and what they're good at, um, yeah. you know, instead of just living by the numbers. It's it's my, I mean, I can't believe, I mean, that very rarely happens that you have, you're actually averaging more on the ground than you are per pass play. And you're throwing only two teams throw more than the Eagles. I just, to yeah. me, it defies logic. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Which uh, so let me uh, kind of spin this into the the Browns. They have a really good defensive front. They have some they have some good corners, but you know it's not like they're just dominating run defense. I mean, is is Doug gonna finally kind of see the light here? You know, I I don't know. I, this is supposed to be like a gut check week. We've heard all this stuff from Doug and from players about you know now we. You know, we're really going to buckle down and blah, blah, blah. And it, I, I don't take stuff like that real seriously because if you look at the season that this team has put together, the time to buckle down was, yeah. I don't know, right after you blew that 17 nothing lead in Washington <laughs> week one. I mean, I don't see when they've had this, you know, how in the world they come to this conclusion in, in week whatever, 11. Uh, I, you know, it, it's delusional to think that, you know, everything was okay up to then. Yeah, I mean, I did find that surprising, uh, Les, you wrote about Brandon Graham. And, like, you know, I, I, yeah. I don't want to pick on Brandon Graham because he's – you never, ever doubt his effort and his devotion yeah. to the team and to, to the basically the team cause, you know. But the fact that, like, someone was asked, well, you know, you said you guys obviously it's now – you're not calling guys out, but make sure they police themselves. And you know, how's that been going? And he's like, well, we'll see how it happens on Wednesday. And I, I, I'm sure you guys were thinking this. I'm like, why wasn't this happening earlier? Because because we yeah. were all seeing it that this team was in major yeah. trouble. Right. You know. Yeah, they seem to think that they're just like one. And Doug keeps harping on this: a little thing here and a little thing there, and everything will be great. And I just don't see it. I really don't. I, I mean, you can almost say that all the time about every team. It's not like talent in the NFL is drastic yeah. you know like it, one team has all the good players and another team doesn't have any but 
it, that's they got outplayed in all three phases Sunday. And I, I, if they can fix all this in one week and come out and play great in Cleveland against a team with a winning record, which is something they have not beaten a team that currently has a winning record, uh, I'll be kind of surprised. But you brought up Cleveland there real quickly. And, uh, before, and I don't want to dominate this, but I was just looking at Cleveland stats. I haven't watched hardly any of their games this year. They're six and three, but they have a negative point differential. I don't quite get that. <laughs> That's very odd to me. Uh, they're giving up 27 points a game and, and scoring 24, and they're six and three. So maybe they can win this game. I don't know. Yeah, when I was um, – EJ, have you looked at the Browns? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did the same thing the Les did. I mean, I've, I watched a, a condensed game of theirs, and, you know, I just kind of, like, looked at the stats. And they definitely aren't – ranked uh as well as a team that would be that you'd think as well as a team a six and three team should be i would say um like they're actually kind of ranked in the bottom third of a lot of categories but um you know i I wanted to bring this up it's like you know andrew barry takes over there and i think that this team you know other than the big investment at running back really does look like an eagles team um i mean they've got a top five offensive line top five defensive line you know they've definitely built their team from the inside out um, and I think that maybe mm-hmm. is part of why they're still finding ways to win games, even though maybe they're not as efficient as other teams are. Um, so, and it's like Baker Mayfield. No, not at all. I mean, they year. really just they lean on that running game, and I mean their offensive line and their their both lines are really really good. I think this will be probably the best offensive line the Eagles face all year. Um, so I think that that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. Yeah, I mean they're going obviously going to run the ball behind those. Those, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt yeah. and, you know, give Baker kind of don't allow Baker to lose the game. Uh, looking at the numbers, they are good in the red zone. The productive down there um, in terms of the offense, if we're going to stay on that side of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, as you guys mentioned, I mean, the passing offense, it looks it's like the Eagles passing offense to some extent. It's not as not as poor. It's not yeah. as inefficient. He hasn't thrown as many interceptions uh, and he hasn't been sacked nearly as much. Um, but that's because they've relied on that run game. So it's going to be really, uh, yeah. you know, Jim Schwartz. I was kind of a little disappointed in the way he handled the the questions as to how the Eagles came out against the Giants' run defense because he kind of just he kind of just tossed aside how the running backs had done. Yeah. In yeah, that. I noticed that. Yeah, I mean yeah. they 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 turned it around after the after the sec, second drive, but I mean the game was almost lost there. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was what struck me watching them from the press box Sunday was they were getting killed by running by running the ball, you know, between the tackles. It wasn't just Daniel Jones, you know, uh, doing some kind of misdirection. Uh, Wayne Gallman right up the gut, yeah. you know, was, uh, the Giants offensive line moved them uh, quite a bit. And, you know, I think Javon Hargrave has, you know, I was willing to give him a lot of slack because he was injured. And he did have one good game a few games ago, but good lord, it, that guy's awful. I mean, uh, it, yeah, it, it, I know it was a different style of defense in Pittsburgh, but either it's the biggest adjustment anybody's ever made, or he just took the money like Byron <laughs> Maxwell or somebody and uh, has decided to retire. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's blatant with him out there. It, you know, I think you could play. T.Y. McGill and get as good a performance, really. Yeah, I mean, the iron. Well, I mean, yeah, so. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. 
Good EJ. The irony there is like, you know, going into the season, we all sort of thought Malik Jackson would be the odd man out there, but he's actually played quite well. And yeah, yeah, I mean, Hargrave at the beginning, you're right. It's like maybe it's the training camp, like he didn't have a training camp to adjust to the new scheme. But I mean, we're deep into the season now and he's not really not only has he not made an impact, he's definitely been a little bit of a liability. And and this is something that we certainly addressed at the time of the move. And, you know, obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers have a different scheme up front, but they're like, well, they go, they go four down, four down linemen on pass downs. This is where, you know, we've seen what he can do. It's not, it's not just two, they don't two gap on those pass plays. He knows right. how to penetrate and get to the quarterback. And we haven't seen that very much. And what's been very, and this is probably the one area where he would struggle in terms of transitioning is, is going from their run defense to the Eagles run defense. And that's where he struggled really significantly as, is as a run defender. And th- a lot of money has been tied up into this guy, not just this year, yes. but next year. And we're, and we're looking, you're looking at the salary cap and geez. But- yeah. That's precious money for the Eagles. I mean, that's money they could have spent this past off season on some other need, you know, that didn't get addressed. Yeah. Uh, and we've looked at all the, the wide receivers they could have signed and, you know, safeties and corners and linebackers and, they signed this guy and they put a lot of money into it. And, uh, you know, that's got to, that's got to turn around. If we switch to the other side of the ball, um, uh, the Eagles, you know, their offense, uh, geez, we already talked about the, the, you know, the, the run pass and bounce, but, um, I mean, it's just remarkable. When I was looking, when I was just digging into the numbers, I mean, it's, and I say historically bad. I mean, if they finish at this current rate of just averaging four points, It'll be the worst it's been since Doug Peterson and uh, was quarterback in 1999. That Andy, <laughs> Andy Reid's first year, and we know how yeah. that offense was. And there's, I mean, th- we're talking about a quarterback franchise, quote unquote, franchise quarterback in his fifth year. That was, yeah. you know, Peterson, journeyman, quarter, you know, backup, and Don McNabb eventually kind of came in and took over at the end. We're talking about a rookie quarterback, right? And Absolutely. they had just a bunch of yeah. slop at, at wide receiver and. Like it's so you look at this team and it's just like, oh, I mean, look, I know that they've had injuries and and at certainly tight end where Zach has relied on that. But, you know, everyone's kind of talking about the chemistry of the wide receivers. If we look at that real quickly, I mean, Travis Fulgham stepped in right away and had that was the best four five game stretch Carson has ever had with a receiver in five years with the Eagles. Yeah. So it's not like. Yeah, with him, confidence and trust seems to matter so much. You know, he's accurate, at least if you set aside this pass game. He's very accurate when he throws to Travis Fulgham. It just seems like he can't function with guys that he doesn't trust, you know, and and that's a huge – there have been a lot of anomalies, like the the way they kept last year. You remember running Matt Collins and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside out there for 40-some plays a game and him never throwing to them, you know. I mean, that doesn't happen in other offenses. And I don't know if that's a Carson problem. If, if it, it certainly is a talent at wide receiver problem to some extent. But, you know, it's, it's really weird to me. And, and I, this is a bad year for us not to have any access to these guys really other than Zoom calls uh, because it's, it's puzzling to me how they've played this and how, you know, why they can't uh, – he and Rager look like they're going to take, you know, months to get on the same page right now. Uh, 
you know, it's just uh, well, you just don't know my, what the answer is. Yeah, my my take on that, and I don't know if it's a hot take or not. And every, we've talked about this and I've written about it before. It's just like Carson needs to see guys open a little more than than to, than because he's not super yeah. accurate. He knows that. And Fulgham in those a lot of those five games, a lot of his passes came versus zone. He's a good. I think he's a zone beater. And what we saw this past game was a fair amount of man defense, and guys had trouble getting separation. And Fulgham's not not a great. Yeah, he's not super no, quick. He's quick not and Rager's still yeah. kind of developing. And you know that's the, one of the reasons why I still the, the JJ Arthago Whiteside pick is just mind boggling because again this was a guy that you know he's a jump ball guy, and Carson already shown he's not really good with the jump ball guy, or uh, Alshon Jeffrey, and he's not fast at all, and he's worse than yeah. they imagined, and and. He just doesn't. They don't don't gel. Uh, you know, Carson needs guys needs to see guys open, and and you just haven't seen it with with these receivers. And I just wonder if you're going to see start seeing more man defense um, to capitalize on that. Teams will play their defenses. I mean, if you're a zone heavy team, you're not going to change too much. But um, I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, and I'll stand up for Carson just a little bit on that. This year, we have seen him throw the ball yeah. up for some guys and they never come to it's that's why he has all these yeah that's that's fair I mean, that's that is part fair. of it yeah not the whole, but you know <laughs> it, they just stand there and watch the defender catch the ball you know i mean that's not uh it, i don't know if it's inexperience or you know what the deal is but it, it that dallas uh that the interception in the end zone you know there was no reason why his rager couldn't have made that play you know that the defense from he was in a better position to catch the ball and the defender just lays out and catches the ball, and Rager's just kind of watching him like, huh, <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> well, the, um, if you look at the, the Browns' defense, um, certainly Miles my, Garrett's the guy you, you kind of circle with the red pen. Um, you know, he moves around a little yeah. bit. Uh, but that'll be a test for both Lane and, and Jason Peters. So Garrett's will face Lane more, correct? Yeah, because he he lines up more on the left. Right. Lane Lane's shown over the. I mean, yeah. when he gets the top guys, for some reason, he just does a phenomenal job. Um, yeah. Olivia Verne, uh, Vernon uh, is on the other side. Um, so I mean, this is the you know they ha- they faced a good defensive line last week. It was probably the strength was probably more a little up the middle than it is on the edges. Yeah. Um. So this will be a test for those guys. Um. I don't know. What do you guys think are some matchups that you want to see uh, defense versus uh, Eagles offense on Sunday? Well, I think it'll be a, a better game for Jason Kelsey just because the the the, um, the Browns interior linemen aren't as as big. You know, like they're not going to line up right over you and try and bull rush or anything like that. Um, yeah. But no, I think the Miles Garrett matchups probably the most interesting one to watch. Um, you know, just to see how he, how he does, especially with Jason Peters. Cause you know, I mean, Peters had his issues with Chase Young, um, you know, and then basically against whoever rushed against him against the Bengals. So uh, I think that this will be an interesting test for him too. I want to see whoever's matched up against <laughs> Andrew Sandejo, throw it, throw it through. Maybe Dallas Goddard. I don't, you know, I, I don't, I, just, I think Sandejo plays a lot of yeah. center field safety. Uh, Carl Joseph is, Joseph is a little more closer to the box. Um, but that doesn't mean he won't line up mm-hmm. opposite uh, Ga- uh, Goddard. What do you guys make of Goddard? Um, just to throw out one last topic there, since we haven't talked about him very much the last few weeks, but he's now back and he's played two games. And 
you know, with no Zach out there, maybe this would have been an opportunity for him to be like, okay, like make more of a claim to that job to maybe, maybe make the Eagles think twice about giving Zach Ertz that extension. Um, you know, Dallas has done well in the, in the blocking part of it, but he, it's not like he's been that great as a receiver. And uh, certainly a lot of it falls on Carson. No, I, you know, I, I, I'm willing to give him a little bit of slack in that he is coming back with a pretty serious injury, but yeah, I've been, especially this, you know, the first game, it was clear that he wasn't really part of the offense, you know, for, and they said it was because they didn't know he was going to play until right before the game, which wasn't a great excuse to me, but, uh, you know, this game, <laughs> I kind of expected a little more than that he showed. Uh, they really covered him pretty well. Uh, you, you don't see, and maybe this is Doug's problem more than it's Dallas Goddard's, but remember when you used to see those deep passes down the seam to Goddard and Ertz and, you know, they would really rack up some yards on a, on a throw to the tight end. Yeah. The one no. see that. Anymore. Well, the two things that I noticed is like, Hey, Richard Rogers has been more productive in the last two weeks. And maybe that is due to the injury, but it is, it does make you wonder maybe if the, t- the second tight end in a lot of these sets is the one who sort of benefits from the, you know, the advantageous, advantageous matchups. Good. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is it's just tough with most of these players to really like figure out exactly how good or how poorly they're playing just because the offense is such a mess. You know, it's like, I I, mean, I, I can't say for sure if Dallas Goddard isn't doing a good job. Maybe it's that, you know, the play calling's off or maybe, you know, Carson's just missing him. So I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. There's a, there's so there's just so many, uh, so many, there's so few examples of, of Doug scheming guys open. Yeah. It's just like they have, this guy's got to you put them in situations where they have to win one-on-ones and they just don't have a lot of guys who can do that right now. Uh, Dallas, Dallas should be able to do that. Um, but again, him, Carson just hasn't been on point with him either. Uh, so I, I think a lot of the blame does certainly go fall on Doug's shoulders um, in terms of the play calling. What can he do? I mean, we mentioned the obviously run more or whatever, or get Carson out of the pocket more. Um I mean, what can they do? Uh, you know, how's the pass? Remember, like, Mike Rowe was the problem? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. boy, how, he, yeah. if he was bad, how bad is Press Taylor? Figure out how to get – yeah, well, figure out how to get the ball to Miles Sanders in space. You know, you brought that up in your story today, I believe. Uh, what what has happened to that? Uh, you know, how do you – he was such a great weapon. Uh, last year in the passing game and it's weird now I know one one early play when Carson tried to go to him in in the Giants game the ball was tipped and it ended up you know not getting to him but surely there are ways to to get this guy out there you know in in space with the ball yeah DJ yeah I yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I, I completely agree I have no idea I just it's it's really confounding to see how this offense is just completely devolved into, you know, a predictable and kind of mundane unit. Yeah. I mean, like the screen game is just now, I understand they tried it early and it hasn't, it wasn't working. And it just seems like they completely avoided it on Sunday when it called for it. Again, you got, you got a defense playing a lot of two, two man with their backs to Carson, you know, that just calls for a screen, doesn't it? I, right. I just, I just can't believe they never yeah. even tried it once. There were bubble screens out, out in the, you know, 
They, yeah, they try, I mean, they did that, and they did okay they there. Yeah. But, like, I mean, to the running back, you got Miles Sanders, Boston Scott. That's one of his things. Uh, I, I don't understand it. I mean, and I'm not saying, you know, come up with better – I'm up with better – you know, different formations, add a wrinkle here and there, and, and, that, and that should be enough. The play-action game has been terrible. Um, and Rich Gangarella, boy, I mean – It's another one. Yeah, what's this guy been doing? I mean, that's what he was yeah. supposed to, you know, yeah. bridge the gap between the run and the pass. And I mean, there was one play where uh, I didn't put this. I had it originally in, in my film review, but it was like first down, right? And Carson, you know, run fake to Miles Sanders, right? This is after they've been running pretty well, and not what, every linebacker yeah. knew it was a pass. No one bit on the on the run fake and they all dropped and yeah. Carson had nothing and I think he had a I think it's when he flipped it to, to Sanders for like a, a shovel and a one yard loss. Like no one. I yeah. mean like it was just amazing to me to think that as well they've been running. Clearly they're tipping something off there, you know? It, it, there's gotta be something they're doing that's absolutely that other yeah. absolutely they up, know what's coming know? half the time. I, I don't know what role the like the backup guards, you know, play into all that. Like maybe it's because they don't have their full offensive line. And, you know, I remember yeah. saying early in the season that I thought it would be interesting if, you know, with all the injuries to the O line to see what the Eagles look like without, you know, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just they don't trust these guys to get out for screens and you know, to understand just like the more finer yeah. points of the offense. Um, but yeah, I mean I have no idea. I just go – just real quick, and we'll finish on this note. I just go back to the offseason and how they handled the coaching changes. And it's just like – it's now they just can't get themselves out of this out of this hole. I understand why Doug's not giving up play calling. I mean, three years ago, he, he was a genius and, and won them a Super Bowl and beat Bill Belichick, you know, I mean, um, with a backup quarterback. So it's like – you know, what went wrong? I mean, obviously people point to Frank Reich no longer being there, John Filippo, in terms of Carson Wentz. But your whole thing is like, all right, we got to bring in new ideas. And it's really tough to get an offensive coordinator mm -hmm. when the head coach is the play caller. So that limits what you yeah. can do in terms of bringing in guys. And then – Right. Well, our Rich Scangarello. <laughs> right. And, and Well, like I think Marty's like kind of like they brought in – I think <laughs> – I think Marty was more like – Doug's like, are right, you forced this guy upon me or, you know, I'll get, I bring in my guy and he'll help with, he'll I help. Want my guy. And they Marty came yeah. before they drafted Jalen Hurts, but I think that's certainly some ways that they, that he's had some input. Yeah. And I don't think Marty really, he's a senior. I don't think Marty's really involved in, in much at all. Uh, it's, okay. it's, it's press Scangarella and Doug and Jeff Stoutland doing the run game. And I, I can't really fault Jeff Stoutland because I think the run game has been fine. It's those guys. And what's you know, like, you know, what are you doing? It seems like just a mismatch. They probably don't even know how to working together is probably not good. Clearly what we're seeing out there on the field. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, Jeff's going to have to really look at this and, and decide what he's, I mean, like, are you going to say again? Yeah. Well, we got to bring in new ideas. And that was supposed to be last off season. Yeah. Well, I think if this season really goes super bad, I I think Doug's in trouble. Frankly, I, you know, you know the whole 
situation there. They were shocked, <laughs> I think, that Doug won the Super Bowl for them. Uh, you know, I I don't think he's that. I, I don't think Jeff Lurie sees Doug as a kindred spirit or a guy that he's super close to the way he was with Andy. Uh, I don't know if that's fair or not, but I just don't I don't think it'll be Howie that takes the blame for this. And, uh, you know, even though I think it might be as much his problem as it is Doug's problem because of the drafts they've had the last three or four years. But I just think that Jeff likes shiny new ideas. And if there's somebody available this offseason that, uh, you know, ticks all the the new age boxes, uh, I think he'll try it. You know, he's not going to get rid of Carson Wentz after this season. I think he'll try to kickstart this with some some really new ideas from the top. And uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I that's, that's that's a tough I sell. I mean, you know, this guy just won the Super Bowl, yeah. and you can't say, well, why does it's no longer just? I mean, you know, it's <laughs> it'll be three years. Uh, you know. When the season, well, I, I get know, that. I mean, like, uh, look, the team has regressed. Yeah. I've written about it my, myself. I think my point was to be a tough sell. Is like, why does Howie get another chance? And yeah, I mean, look, I agree with you. I oh mean, yeah, Jeff's going to defend Howie that. more than he's going to defend Doug. And and I agree with you. I don't. I don't think. Look, they bossed Doug around. I mean, you know, I, I wrote a pretty big story about that uh, at the start of the season. And, you know, it's just like yes, that's why did. they, you know, yes. Doug was part of the reason why he was hired was because he was one of the few guys that would be willing to take the job and work with Howie and get along with Howie. Howie, you know, a lot of people don't like Howie around the league. Let's be, let's be perfectly frank about this. Um, certainly, if a guy gets an opportunity to be a head coach, I mean, they're going to take it. We saw that with Chip Kelly. As much as Chip hated Howie, he took the job. Um, but uh, that is, that is yeah. an obstacle uh, for Jeff in hiring a head coach. And, and Doug kind of fell in their lap a little bit and, and the success that they had with him, those obviously was a little bit of falling into their lap. So, you know, yeah, they don't look at Doug as like an innovator. Um, Andy Reed has always been an innovator. Jeff loves the innovator. That's his, you know, he's, the, yeah. he, he fashion, you know, he fashions himself, yep. fancies himself as a, as an innovator himself. Um, right. That's how they right. ended up with Chip. And, um, <laughs> But a lot of this, again, falls on Jeff. So it's like, you know. <laughs> yep. And Jeff's not going to fire himself. Yeah. That, the more involved he gets in football decisions, which is something you and I have both pointed out in stories, I think, you know, it's not like he can just absolve himself of any blame. Yeah. Because he's not just sitting there, you know, saying, okay, you guys do what you want. Right. He's driving a lot. Right. And the funny. Us. And. But he's not. No, like and, right. Said, and he's not how he knows where all the bodies buried in terms of like Jeff's the, the, the dumb decisions that Jeff yeah. has forced them to make, you know, JJ and forced them. Um, yeah. Et cetera. So, all right. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> we got off track a little bit from the Cleveland Browns. Real quick, give me guys your picks. Um, I'm, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I, um, I don't think that the Eagles are going to win. And I think I'm done picking the Eagles to suddenly reverse course for the rest of the year after uh, picking them to beat the Giants. So I'm thinking something like 31-24. I think the Gi- the Browns will cover, but I don't think that they um, – I don't think it'll be like over by halftime or something like that. Les? Yeah, I, you said a lot of things I wanted to say, I, especially the <laughs> part about being fed up with waiting for them to click in place. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm writing in my prediction thing right now. Uh, 
I'm going to take Browns 26-20. There are ways the Eagles could win this game. Uh, I don't think the Browns are some kind of unstoppable, uh, you know, force. But after watching the Eagles the last two games they played, really, uh, I just uh, I'm I'm not a believer that they're going to pull this together. 26-20, and uh, you know, uh, look to even a less winnable. Yeah, game I mean, I, I guess I kind of uh, align with you guys. Although I just know that we'll all pick. Cleveland and the Eagles will finally find a way to win a game. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, I mean, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, know, yeah, I know I fans agree. place yeah, so much emphasis yeah. on how we pick these games. But, uh, like, again, that's like I hate doing it. Um, you know, I look at the game, too, and I feel like I don't think the Browns are that great. But clearly the Eagles haven't done enough to earn uh, any benefit of doubt. So, I, you know, I'll pick the Browns. I think it's not – I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Again, I just don't think the Eagles are going to be able to score a lot of points on this offense. So, I think it may be like 2017 Browns. <laughs> um and uh, I guess we'll see. All right, guys, thanks for joining us on the Bird's Eye View podcast. Please re- read all our stories at inquire.com. Sign up for the Early Birds newsletter. Uh, giving you certainly a lot of uh, uh, heads up on where to get those. Uh, obviously, inquire.com. Just click on it. And, uh, you know, uh, follow us on Twitter, right? Yeah. Les, uh, you're, you're at Les. Yes, indeed. This is at Les Bowen. EJ, Les you're at EJ Smith 94. And I'm uh, at Jeff underscore McLean. Uh, Paul Domwich will probably join us some point next week. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Bird's Eye View podcast, and we'll talk to you in several days. Alrighty.